You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We are here to remind you that you're grown and you got this. For joining me for another episode of the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. For today's conversation, we are talking with Dr. Loretta Billups on the truth about why relationships fail. Dr. Billups is a clinician, relationship, and mental health coach who has worked with individuals of all ages to help them reach their true capacity by holding them accountable as they reach their goals. Dr. Billups, I'm so excited to have you chatting with us today. This is a really, really important topic, and I want to jump right in because I think listeners are interested in knowing why relationships fail. So let's get into it. What happens? What is happening to our relationships that they're just not working out? Okay. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, so the reasons why relationships fail in research, research shows, as well as my experience, it always starts with something related to communication and trust. Um, those are the biggest issues that I find, like I said, as long as, as well as research, that trust is one of the biggest issues along with lack of communication. You know, that's so interesting. You know, communication is key. And I think people miss that piece in divorce people always assume that it's infidelity or it's, um, you know, we grew apart. And in many ways that is true, but we often Mm -hmm. see and find that they weren't communicating long before the infidelity or long before we kind of grew apart. So communication is a huge part of the foundation. When we think about relationships, when you're talking and, and working with a couple Tell me how you can help them identify those communication gaps or areas that they may be able to work on as they're thinking about, um, you know, rehabilitating or working on their own relationship. Well, first first off, when I meet with couples and they, you know, advise me that, hey, something is wrong, we can't figure it out, I try to meet with them individually first um, to see what's going on. Um, because often when we are separated, we tend to tell, you know, more of the story, right? Sure. Um, and then when you, then you find the underlying issues, like I said, which most of the times it's communication. In order to rebuild communication, you need to learn how you're communicating, right? And so you have people that communicate, maybe their communication is aggressive, passive aggressive, or assertive or passive, right? Those are our four styles of communication. When you're communicating with anyone, whether it's your partner or anyone else, you want to make sure that you assertively, right? That way you're getting your point across and hopefully you're able to get your needs met by sharing what it is you're trying to get, your, your desires. I see. So it's really about identifying what your communication style is, your partner's communication style, and figuring how to balance those styles. Because certainly, if you communicate in an aggressive manner, you're with someone who is passive, right? Then certainly there's always that disconnect, right? Um, Absolutely. And I assume then that breeds conflict or miscommunication. 
because we're not on the same wavelength. Absolutely. Because then what happened is, as you mentioned, you have someone who maybe who's a little more aggressive in the way that they communicate and then maybe someone that's passive, someone is not getting their needs met. Okay. Right. And then what happened is people start to distance themselves because they're not feeling heard. They're not feeling loved or whatever the situation may be. They start to separate. And then their goals, I would say it allows for other things to enter the relationship. Right. Maybe now you have someone who's now preferring to stay at work a little longer because they don't want to go home. Uh, Maybe now you're noticing a coworker is paying you a little more attention than your spouse. Um, and so when you have those broken lines of communication, I think it really opens the door for other things. That's interesting. When you think about communication in all of the ways that we communicate in a day, right? So your spouse, your children, your coworkers, and I don't think we often think about how important it is to really think through how we are communicating with others, Um, particularly when you think about your intimate relationships that you have been in for a very long time, you kind of take for granted almost the, this is the way I talk to people, or this is the way I engage or interact. And so there isn't really room oftentimes to uh, to change that or, or to try to figure out how to navigate that. So when you're starting to work with a couple or an individual and you identify communication here is a challenge, what are some things that you have found that have helped people to really try to work through their communication issues? Well, First off, like I said, I identify how they communicate their communication styles, which typically falls into one of those uh, four categories. And then the other party, I learned to identify their styles. And then we work together to see what works. You might not be able to change someone wholeheartedly from passive to assertive, um, but you could definitely teach them to let their needs be known to their partners. Um, Mm -hmm. I have gone so far to say, listen, if this is so difficult for you, um, you know, having an assertive conversation, because let's face it, some people, because of uh, the things they learned in childhood, they're not so assertive in their communication. I've gone so far to say, you know what? Write it out. Okay. Write it down. Okay. Write it down. Whatever your needs are, whatever it is you're asking for, write it down. And, and maybe you could communicate with your partner that way until you have built up enough foundation where you feel comfortable communicating to your partner in a way that's comfortable to you, comfortable to them, and you're able to get both of your needs met. That's a great thing to um, kind of take away that it doesn't necessarily always have to be verbal. Maybe the starting point if you are not as comfortable, maybe it is writing it down and sharing it that way. I have found as a mediator, having somebody else help you frame the language or preparing for an otherwise difficult conversation um, because sometimes we just need that extra support. But let's say you do all these things, you're trying to get this extra support, you write things down, when do we get to the point of that's a deal breaker? We're, we're done. I've tried everything that I can do to communicate, um, but nothing seems to be working. What do we do at that point? 
So I would like to say that deal breakers are individualized, right? So what is a deal breaker for me may not be a deal breaker for you. Um, but one thing that I am firm on when it comes to deal breakers is any sort of abuse, especially physical or sexual abuse. Um, I don't think in any relationship that should be tolerated, but that's just me. Um, you know, some people deal breakers are infidelity. Some people deal breakers are substance abuse. It, it really just depends. It's, it's, the, it's the individual. Um, but when it gets to that point where you you know, are at your peak and, you know, you've had enough um, with this individual or whatever's going on in your relationship um, is going to go right back to communication again, because now we need to have a conversation of how we move forward, okay. whether we're going to, whether we're going to move forward and try to get some help and mend this, or because I can't say that, hey, this is not going to work. I mean, many people after infidelities you know, men, men, the relationship, Sure. many people after abuse, men, the relationship. So at that point, communication comes back online. Where do we go from here? Right. Are we going to seek counseling and try to mend this relationship or are we going to start making a plan to go our separate ways? So I want to talk about those two different paths for a moment. When you think about the couple who maybe have experienced um, infidelity or, um, have come to some sort of impasse in terms of communication or some other issue that might be moving them into one or the other relationships. How do you help them kind of transform their relationship if in fact they really do want to try to work on it? So if we have someone who, like, like you mentioned, that they are maybe one partner was promiscuous or stepped out of the relationship, um, then trust is something that we need to really, really work on. Okay. Um, and if, and if that means if the person that was cheated on feels that is necessary in order for them to gain your trust back, that they have to, um, you know, feel that they need to go through your phone. If, okay. you know what I mean? It's something as, as, because that's important to them. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully that other party is willing. So the they need to be able to um, go strip down to the bare bones okay. in the relationship and start with just the basics. And like I said, if it means like we have to check phones, which is very uncomfortable, right? Like you don't right. want your partner to go through your phone. But yeah. when you break that line of trust, um, we have to we have to go to the root. Gotcha. I mean, here's the reality, right? You have to identify what the issue really is. And then from mm -hmm. there say, okay, what are we all willing to do or not do to rebuild that? And, and maybe right. that is checking phone. Yeah. Maybe that is if um, sobriety is an issue, maybe that is putting up certain boundaries. I don't feel comfortable with you driving yet, or I don't, you know, I need you to be an AA or some, some other kind of um, outward showing that right. we are actively working on this. Exactly. Any sort of overt action to let you know that, hey, I'm serious about this. I realize that I made a mistake and I will do whatever it takes to get you back on board. And like I said, you, you may have to be uncomfortable for a while until that person learns to trust you again. Got it. I always get nervous when people say, you know, I'll do anything, right? Mm -hmm. I found that that comes at a cost sometimes, right? Because yeah. how long, how far? And, and I think that um, only time will tell. However, you know, I, in my experience, 
if the hurdles keep getting, you know, higher and, you know, we look up and we're still three years in and I still need to check your phone. Yeah. That's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so you want to make sure you iron those things out in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, okay, have some somewhat of a timeline. Um, And again, it's up to that individual. They might need a year. Some people might be less, but you want to iron those things out in the middle because you don't want the other party to start feeling bad too, even though maybe they were the one that stepped out in a relationship. Have those things ironed out so both parties know what to expect. That's great. I think about the idea that generosity and guilt have time limits. And I tell um, particularly women who are going through a divorce who come in and say, you know, my spouse cheated on me, or, you know, they said they would do anything and everything. And I often say to them, okay, here's the deal. There's a window of opportunity here because at some point, right. Generosity turns into resentment Absolutely. there's a feeling that one is being taken advantage of. So I agree with you that I think maybe for some couples, it is three weeks, maybe it's three months, other couples, it might be a year or more, but figuring out and ironing out, what do we need as a couple to really work through this? So the other path, right, is the, we are definitely going into a different direction. And when Mm -hmm. we think about moving in that direction, what do you often say um, to couples when they have kind of come to that realization about what's kind of the first thing that they want to consider or may want to do when the reality that we are not going to be able to go on together and we are now moving into different paths. What do you tell a couple? What are we doing now? What do we do first? What do we do first? Well, it, so let's just say that this is a couple and there's no children involved because that's a whole nother um, avenue. But if it, it's a couple who've been together however long and they're deciding to take a, a go down the road of divorce, first I would ask them, have you tried everything? Okay. Have you gone to counseling? Have you seen a therapist? Have you seen a coach? Have you done date nights? Like, have you done everything possible to salvage this marriage. Um, And if they said, yeah, and we'll go through all the things that they've done. And if I see that there's something they haven't done, I'll ask them, are you willing to try X, Y, and Z? Because I want you to truly exhaust the list. Yes. Um, Because you right? because you don't want to turn back and like, yeah, well, I didn't do this, but we didn't talk about that. I want you to truly exhaust the list. And if we check off all the boxes and you're still firm, this is what you both want to do. Then we're going to start making, uh, creating boundaries within this separation. So first things first, are you guys going to remain in the same home? Okay. And what does that look like? Okay. If you're going to remain in the same home, let's, let's be honest. Nowadays, people are divorced or separated and still live in the same home because yes. of finances, finances. right? <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Because the economy is not our it friend right what now. It is. Yeah. Exactly. And so if we're going to be in the same home while we go through the support, then, okay, are you guys getting along? Is this amicable or is there a lot of bickering? Then if there's a lot of bickering or something like that, then maybe we need to work on the hours of the day that someone is at home. So do you work night shift? Do you work day shift? You know what I mean? Maybe need to be like two ships passing in the night just to keep the peace. Right. Um, And then you have to just be really creative um, right down to, okay, are you going to pay this bill? And that's like, you need everything 
um, written out um, and planned out just to keep the peace and, and for, you, for you as a couple to stay on the path. And that's what I recommend is, like I said, if, if that's the situation, that's kind of how we would go about it. Um, and then again, if there's children involved, then that's a whole separate arena because we want to keep uh, a safe and peaceful place for the children as well. So let me start by saying, exhaust the list, right? It's so important. I would think that, or hope that people know how important that is to really make sure that this is the right thing. Now, there's always a caveat. You hit the nail on the head when you said physical abuse, sexual abuse, when abuse is present in a relationship, that is a deal breaker. I, I, I have no qualms about saying that whatsoever. And so if that is present in the relationship, then no, we're not trying to exhaust any and everything because it's mm -mm. not safe for you to continue in that relationship. Absolutely. That's different than the we've grown apart or we've now had kids and we are operating like roommates instead of, um, you know, lovers yeah. or, or whatever have you. And so, yes, taking the time to really try to date night, couples counseling, coaches, whatever it is, because divorce really is, um, I, I would say the path that nobody expects to go down. And you want to make sure that when we're headed in that direction, that you can say, we gave it our all. Absolutely. With that though, sometimes you can find yourself in a situation where you've given it your all and maybe your spouse just doesn't have the cap capacity or interest in giving it their all, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's talk for a moment before we go back to the what happens once we've now decided and we're in the same space, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, I'm trying to get you into counseling. I'm trying to go on date nights. I'm trying to do all these things to see if this is going to work. And you have a spouse who's not interested in counseling, coaching, or, or date nights. At, at what point do you say, okay, I've thrown my hands up, or is that go back to it's subjective? I really think it's, it's also subjective. Um, you know, I, you want to definitely communicate to them what it would mean to you if you were to go, if they were to go to therapy or counseling or, or something of that nature to help mend the relationship. And if they're absolutely refusing, I think you've come to a fork in a road because I think that sets the tone for what the, re the remainder of the relationship is going to be like. And again, if you're willing to put up with that for the remainder of your relationship where you are doing the carrying the load, because that's what you're doing then that's wonderful for you. Some people aren't going to do that. So you need to make a decision like, okay, well, you know, this is how we're going to live our lives. And I'll just continue to be the one that's, you know, always reaching out, always the one that's always planning the trips, the ones that's always trying to do date night and whatever have you, and know that this person is not going to meet you halfway, where you need to decide whether or not this is how you want to live the rest of your life, or do you want to move forward and maybe start entertaining another avenue? I love that. I think it comes down to you got to do you right. And so if, if it's, I'm fine with my partner 
not participating actively in this relationship. And it is what it is because I'm comfortable financially and I don't want to, you know, upset the applicant or, you know, I can overlook some of these things then okay, that, that works for you. I think where things blur lines is you can't have one foot in one foot out, right? If you're unhappy about it, do something about it. Correct. If not, right. Then, then so be it. And and I think that's always where, you know, friends come in and, and start saying, listen, I, I'm not interested in hearing about this anymore, right? Either leave Either leave or right. shut up about it, right? Right, absolutely. And I've had many conversations about that. Like, listen, this is the tenth time I'm hearing the same story. Enough. Okay, I need you to enough. <laughs> I, like you said, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I've given you my best girlfriend advice. Yes, and you know, I'm, I'm praying for you and I'm rooting for you, but. You know, and and that's funny that you say that because it really does start to affect your friendships. But that's for another day. Um, but yeah, you you really want them to make a decision. You should want to make a decision because that indecisiveness will drive you crazy. Oh, it will drive you crazy. It will drive you crazy. And so mm-hmm. I said I was going to circle back. Now we are no longer indecisive. We've made a decision. We are going to get divorced. You and I said finances, right? I, I wanted to also say jinx while we were saying that at the same time as being the reason that most couples end up living together uh, while they're going through a divorce process. Um, it happens, I would say in the vast majority of cases, most people can't just up and go from one household to two households, um, overnight. And so figuring out boundaries, a plan for what this Mm -hmm. looks like during this process, absolutely key. And is very important because again, it's all about keeping the peace, as you mentioned, even if you don't have children, because emotions are running high, people are exhausted, but figuring out what's our game plan during this time period so that we can keep the ball moving forward, knowing that for right now, we have to kind of operate in this same space. Absolutely. And that may come down to even talking about, you know, depending on how long we're, we may be uh, staying in the same home. What if we start interested in dating again? Yes. You know, can, can I bring my date over? Yeah. Dates aren't allowed to come over, you know, things like that. Like it really would have to get down to that point. And again, finances may be the reason why we have to stay together, but we would have to talk about all aspects of us staying in this same home together. It's just like the conversations that should happen your freshman year when you have your first roommate, but you're too young. You don't really know, but, <laughs> but it's about living with somebody, right? What are the boundaries, right? Like, right. And you have other people sleeping over in here. Who's cleaning up your side of the room or whatever it is. But now it's on a different level because we are married. We're sharing the same space. We have some things. So it is, it's really, really important to have those, what I'm going to call those roommate conversations, while we are sharing the same space. Right. I want to then ask about involving a coach 
to help with those conversations. But before we get to that, can you help us understand a little bit more about what a coach is versus say a counselor or a therapist, like what the difference is and why we may need one or both? So, yeah. So, excuse me. So in, in terms of a therapist, a therapist is someone who is going to, first off, probably have some sort of diagnosis. Um, they're going to look at the root of the problem, maybe goals back as far as like childhood, um, talk about those experiences, maybe what your first relationship was like, which is with your caregivers. Um, they may dive into things of that nature. Um, and they're, they will assist with whatever the process is, right? Where a coach is more goal-focused. So from the moment when I operate under the guise of a coach, I, I start off with what is our goal? What is our goal for this conversation? I'm more goal oriented, more goal focused. I won't dive into your past unless it's absolutely necessary. Unless I see something that I I just have to bring up. Um, I'm definitely not diagnosing. Um, It's really just focused on goals and, and holding you accountable. Because if you tell me your goal is Hey, I want us to, you know, get to a point where uh, we want to see this divorce through, then that's where we're going with it. Okay. There's no bouncing back and forth. And I'm not asking you about your feelings or okay. anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're focused on the goal because that's what you came to me for. And time is of the essence. Um, and I, I normally do like packages okay. per se, maybe four to six packages. Not that it can't be extended, um, but therapy doesn't operate that way. Therapy is ongoing. Um, until we, you know, resolve these issues. Some people are in therapy for years. I see. um, Depending on what they're trying to resolve. That makes sense. Look, a coach is to help you reach a goal, right? And we are here for a season, right? If we think about it in the, listen, we have this amount of time, here are our goals, here's our game plan, we're accountable. Very different from a therapist, let's, Mm -hmm figure out how we got here, what things were, and and diagnose issues or problems. And Mm -hmm. you're right, it may be longer than a season, right? It might be a lifetime, who knows? Very different. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it is possible then to have both a coach and a therapist as a part of this process. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if you are in a situation uh, where you can afford both, I highly recommend it because I, my, my mindset is always, um, you want to, you want to talk about the root if possible. Okay. Um, and then work on changing those behaviors, right? Cause like I said, a lot of things that we learn, um, and that we're exhibiting in our adult life, we learned in our childhood. And so if that behavior is counterproductive to these positive relationships. You need to dive into that. Okay. Or if, you know, if there's some depression and anxiety and whatever, you can dive into that with that therapist. Um, and then your coaches, like I said, you're working on, on your goals. Like, okay, what's our goal today? We want to work on X, Y, and Z. All right, let's knock it out. I see. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's possible to have both. That's great. And I think as women particularly are getting more comfortable in giving voice to what needs are. So I need a therapist to help me identify why I still keep doing the same thing or end up in the same kind of relationships. Very different from a coach. We've identified our relationship has come to an end. 
or we've identified that we've got some communication issues. Here is our plan so that if we do need to make a decision about are we going forward together or not, we have some actionable steps. We have a plan in place um, to help us along the way. Absolutely. And when you think about um, what I'll call red light, green light, so those red, Mm -hmm. green, and yellow flags that pop up along the way in in all of our relationships, right? I want to start with green for a minute because yes, we're talking about, you know, why relationships fail. However, I think it's important to talk about when things are going well, right? And and so what are good, you know, kind of signs that this is a solid relationship that might hit some bumps in the road, but these are good things. So when you think about kind of those like green flags or the go in, in red light, green light, what are some things that listeners can kind of hold on to in saying, maybe all is not lost or so bad. These are some good things. Right. So definitely some of your green flags in relationships are your partners accommodating, right? Um, they put you first, not necessarily on a pedestal, but they put you first. Um, they make time for you. They problem solve as a couple. They want your input. They want your feedback. And together you work on resolving the issues. And then, of course, someone you could be your, yourself, you know what I mean, in front of. There's no need to put on a mask. You could wear your bonnet at night <laughs> and they'll love you. Love they'll you, love you. Additionally. Anyway, yeah. with or without the bonnet. So <laughs> that would definitely be some of the green flags in, in a relationship. And that's someone you should definitely want to hold on to. Okay. If you can't wear your bonnet, if you can't have somebody sitting next to you on the couch while you take out your braids or your weave, this is not the person for you because that is too exhausting. I, let me just say, right. It is right. too exhausting to try to get up in the middle of the night and do all the things so that you look I don't know, gorgeous in the morning. No, not sustainable. Sorry. No, not at all. Not at (laughs) all. They have to go. That's not the person for you. I'm actually going to add that to our deal breaker list. That's added. (laughs) There's that. Um, Yellow flags though, right? So we've got our green and I love accountability, someone who allows you to be you, problem solving. Um, Those are all really good signs that, We've got healthy relationship going. Where are some yellow, some areas that, hmm, maybe we should pay attention. Maybe we should slow down a little bit and, and get some work on this. I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I would say that yellow flags are an individual. Maybe they are, how do I best, they embellish a little bit. Okay. Right. They embellish maybe, you know, when they're, you know, telling you whatever they might, you know, make things a little bit more bigger than what it is. Okay. That's definitely something that should perk up your ears. Okay. Um, Maybe someone who is, uh, time is not as valuable to them. So maybe they're coming home late or when there's, it's date night and they're meeting you wherever 
they're a little, they're late and it's consistent. Okay. Um, because again, they're not valuing your, your time. Right. I would say some, those are some of the yellow flags, just things that again, not necessarily we need to break up, but it's definitely things you want to keep in the back of your head because it could lead to other things. Another one is, um, the wondering eye. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That could rise to the level of a red flag. But you're like, okay, you know, we're human. We're allowed to look at other people. Um, but if you start to see things, someone salivating, that's a whole yeah. nother story. That's a, that's a whole other story. A whole nother story. But, yeah. you know, if he quickly glances or she quickly glances at someone else. And, okay, again, something to keep in the back of your mind. Again, not necessarily break up the relationship, but I, I want to keep that in the back of my mind in case it's, you know, rise to a level that it gets out of control and I, and I want to address it. I find that the yellow flags, right, are those things that you have to ask yourself, if this doesn't change, will it really bother me? Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. we know that you can't change a person. And Correct. so with the wandering eye, the embellishment, the being late, nobody's perfect. I, I get that. But to your point of back of mind, keep an eye on it. If things are consistent, because they do and can mean uh, bigger things. So Correct. the time issue, Sure. There are some of us who are not on time. Okay, I get it. However, however, the idea comes down to respect. Correct. And so if it's consistent, if there's always an excuse, if there's always, now we're five years down the road, two kids, and you can't depend on your spouse. Now we've got a bigger issue, right? So absolutely, yellow flags, throughout really oftentimes are mm-hmm. I think a good indication and really the time to get in with a coach or get in with a counselor to have some discussions about you know this we might need to chat about chat about this um so that it doesn't become then a red flag absolutely so now we're we're there, right? We're at red flag. Um, let's talk about those things that, again, we know safety is always a red flag or lack of safety is a red flag. Right. What are other, you know, red flags? So a red flag would be obviously the complete opposite of the green flag. So maybe someone who is self-absorbed is me, me. It's about me. It's the me show, yep. right? Um, dishonest. So we're no longer embellishing. We're completely downright dishonest. I can't trust you. Uh, commitment issues. Okay. Um, definitely lacks ambitions or goals. Um, they tell you they can't live without you. That is a red flag. Okay. Um, yeah. Difficulty, have, have difficulty communicating. Um, and then my favorite is your family and friends have warned you. Okay. okay. Yes. Family and friends have warned you. So let's talk about the family and friends for a moment, because, mm-hmm. you know, we all have the peanut gallery and, you know, everybody has an auntie or grandma who has a whole lot to say. 
but they have a lived experience that instincts sometimes really come out in ways of saying, I don't trust this person or something's off, right? They don't Mm -hmm. pass the smell test. And so how do you balance that? Because I agree, it's a red flag in many cases where family is feeling really off about something. Balance that against the, they just don't like them or they're too involved and have too much to say in what's going on in your own life. How do we balance that? You know what? That's a really good question. I'm not sure if I have the answer to that because in my experience, in my own personal experience and working with other people, no one ever listens to family and friends <laughs> because no one, yeah. you could tell them all day long, like, Hey, I saw him with another woman. And they'd be like, that was just his coworker. You didn't see him. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Because what happens is we're so involved. We're so in love. Our heads are in the clouds. They could do no wrong, especially in that honeymoon stage. Yes. Um, you know, so we're not here. We're not interested. So I think, I think like, Hey, you know, take that information. Hopefully you're receptive and at least just listen, okay. you know, whatever. And then as, as time goes, you, you start to figure it out and start to see it for yourself. I mean, I'll share with you, like my first husband, um, there were all kind of flags. I mean, it was the, the flag they throw on the field at the football. <laughs> there was uh shoot, American flag. The it USA was all flag, the flags. Every flag you could think of. And I was just like, I don't know what they're talking about. He's amazing. You know what I mean? Because I did yes. not want to hear it. Yes. I didn't want to hear it. And you can tell me otherwise. I had to unfortunately live it yes. and experience it before I decided to wake up and be like, you know what? They were right all along. Yeah. And you know, your family and your friends, they want what's best for you. So, and they're going to pick up on those things faster because they're not the one in the relationship. So I would say just at least have the conversation, just listen to what they're saying. I like that. I am laughing because I haven't done this for a very long time. I almost hate when somebody's telling you about their new relationship mm-hmm. because when they say things like he never wants me to be away from, he always wants to spend so much time with me and I'm on a pedestal. I am having heart palpitations thinking, who uncomfortable. Ooh, I don't love that, but I see that you love that. So let me not say anything, but in my head, I am thinking that's of concern. Right. Yeah, and so absolutely, it is hard um, at times for family and friends to be open and honest about the concerns that they have, because we often are not open to receiving the information. And so my hope is that someone is listening, saying, you know what, maybe there are some red flags. Maybe I am overlooking something that I didn't otherwise think through because I do think that there is a narrative out there that a red flag is only physical abuse or sexual abuse. And yes, those are. However, as we have just, you know, talked about, there are other things um, that are just as 
um, important to pay attention to than kind of the, the physical abuse. Right. We started the conversation. Why do relationships fail? I want to talk now about what is important for us to learn from a, and I'm going to put it in quotes, a failed relationship, right? So why do we, why do we say to ourselves something has failed one, but two, you know, what do we learn from these as we move forward in the hope that we don't make kind of the same uh, decisions in the future? Um, I'm first of all, I'm glad that you put it in quotes because I don't believe in failed relationships. I, be, I believe in teachable moments or teachable experiences. Um, it didn't work. That doesn't mean that it, excuse me, it failed. It just didn't work. And it could be for many reasons. It was just in our season. You know, we didn't align. We grew apart, whatever have you. But, um, you know, when you're in a relationship and it's ending and, you know, maybe get to the point where you want to move forward. I, I would hope that everything that you that made you uncomfortable, everything that you didn't get out of the first relationship. And I don't mean financially. That could be part of it, too. But I'm just those emotional needs um, that, you know, you really need in order to feel loved and honored and respected and supported. Those are the things that you need to make sure are absolutely in the next relationship or you're going to find yourself in the same predicament. You know, so definitely, you know, what did I not get from this person? And, and here's the other thing, look at yourself too. Right. Don't just look at the other person, look at yourself too. Or what, what did I do? What did I not say? You know, we talk about communication. Yes. Did I not communicate? Was I not assertive enough? You know, um, maybe I didn't um, talk early enough about the boundaries or what I expect or whatever have you, you know, also look at yourself because, you know, you're part of the I, want to, I don't want to say part of the problem, but you're in the relationship, right? So you need to make sure that what you, you want to communicate what you need out of the next relationship based on what you did get in the past, but also look at yourself is what I'm trying to say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a common denominator. Mm-hmm. And so it is important as we move forward and progress that we work on ourselves. Right to identify some of these areas. Um, and maybe that is working through therapy and figuring out what are my needs? How am I giving voice to those needs? How am I showing up in a relationship? How am I showing up for myself, right? So right. those things. And I I love that you... Um, acknowledge my air quotes of fail because I was thinking the same thing. The idea here is this is a teachable moment. What are the lessons that we've learned? Mm -hmm. And even if we are going through a divorce or have been divorced, the idea is this was not a failure. This was okay. This relationship ended. I'm moving in a different direction or we are moving in a different direction. What have I learned from that as I, as I move forward? Um, right. So I, I do think it's really important to give voice to that, that you yeah. haven't failed at something, but in fact, it's just the ending so that we can enter into a new beginning. Absolutely. And then what I want to also add to that is that just like, you know, when you have a, a student graduating from high school and they take that gap year before they go to college, 
you need to take that gap year before you enter another relationship because who you were when you first entered that relationship five years ago. Yes. And you know, now five years have passed. You're not the same person. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't. Because you 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 shouldn't be. You know what I mean? You should have paid attention to yourself <laughs> and to your partner. Yeah. And then, you know, let I me mean? figure out what I want. I would highly recommend take at least six months to a year to to relearn yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, who am I? You know what I mean? What, what am I willing to tolerate? What am I not willing to put up with? What's my new deal breaker? You know, whatever it is, get, give yourself an opportunity to, to love yourself, to breathe again, to get to know yourself before you enter into another relationship because, um, and really do the work because it's not fair to the next person that you bring in the baggage from the previous relationship. You know what I mean? Start with a clean slate. Yes. Yes. Gap year. You need a gap year. Take a moment. What's the hurry? Right. Like there is love out there. There is fun out there, but take a moment, get to know yourself. I love, 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 love. You shouldn't be the same person that you were five years ago, Mm -hmm. three years ago, 15 years ago. There should be some growth. And so making sure that you acknowledge and understand that growth so that as you move forward, we don't make the same mistakes. Right. Love it. Dr. Phillips, tell us where we can get further support from you, where we can find you and learn more about the services that you offer. Absolutely. So you can give me a call if you like, which is 424-287-7410. Um, you can check out my website, which is cultivatingyourlife.com. And on there, you can uh, reach out to me as well. Or you could send me an email, which is drbillops at cultivating your life. So it's dr.billops, B as in boy, I-L-L-O-U, P as in Paul, S as in Sam, at cultivatingyourlife.com. Thank you so much. This has been great. I'm hoping that, you know, um, our listeners today have heard something that resonates with them. And if not with them, with a girlfriend that they can share it with, because certainly we believe that sharing is caring and we want to make sure that we are caring for one another in these spaces. If you need the support, please get the support. And we appreciate Dr. Billups taking her time today to share that. with us. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.